Good morning, and welcome to another Good News Friday with Black Sheep Rebranded and your host, Rick Sherwood. Rick has been scouring the internet looking for good news. I have put the articles together for him, and together we have come up with Good News Fridays. So, let's hear what he has to talk about today. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to January 5th. Welcome to another Good News Friday podcast where we are out there doing just what Rebecca just mentioned, which is looking around trying to find a little bit of good news because God only knows that, you know, the headlines, the headlines are we're going to hell in a handbasket and it's not a good thing. So what good news did we find in the last week for us to share with people? Well, one of the interesting things is, you know, people always think we know everything about everything about the ball that we're living on, but, you know, quite frankly, we really don't. And so recently, there was just an article that was out from uh, Japan where they found a, a fossil of a, of a sea dragon. There's a, there's a scientific name for this, but if you Google it, these Japanese researchers found this almost completely intact, which if you're going to go fossil hunting, if you're going to go looking for big critters, like a sea dragon or like a T-Rex, typically speaking, you do not find an entire animal, simply because... The world keeps moving and the soil keeps moving and the tectonic plate movement keeps happening and so things get scattered around. But that said, they found almost a completely intact sea dragon. And it goes back to the age of, the, of T-Rexes and so this thing's been extinct for an awful long time. They found something really interesting about this particular one because again, science thought that they knew everything about the sea dragon. They didn't. What they found in this one is that the back flippers on this critter was a lot bigger. And so typically speaking, if you look at a fish today, like a shark or a dolphin or a whale or most fish, they have really big pectoral fins up right where the pecs are, like, you know, where our pecs are on about up near our shoulders. They would have big fins up there because that's a, a really good way to propel yourself through water. And so anybody who's out there swimming, if you're scuba diving or something like that, you're going to have fins on. That's how you're going to do most of your locomotion. But if you're in the water and you and you just try to swim by just, just kicking your feet, your, your arms become a huge part of your movement. So what they did is they found that, again, these flippers on the back end of this were much, much bigger. So that has sent... Uh, some areas of science into uh, a bit of discovery mode trying to figure out what is it that and what should we call this because it is a sea dragon predominantly however it's a sea dragon with a twist and so yeah again kind of an interesting story out of Japan another interesting story um, because again we want you all to be more educated on the psychology side of things and so Interesting bit of research, uh, Dr. Heidi Wayment, and, and I'm sure I'm saying their names wrong, and a Dr. Jack Bauer, they came out with this uh, research that they've been, they're a parapsychologist and they've been doing some research on this idea of a quiet ego versus a noisy ego. And so you're going to say, what is a noisy ego? A noisy ego is more self-centered potentially disruptive aspects of self driven by need for validation, dominance, and constant attention. And so y'all know, know the people in your family, y'all know the people that chain around, the people at work who are always going, oh my God, God, take a look at me. That is a noisy ego, right? Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to, to always get this validation. They're trying to always get these things. 
And it's not to say that people shouldn't be allowed to talk about themselves, because they can. But it's a preponderance of what is the majority of the person's actions. And if they are typically trying to tell you how great they are, then hey, you know what? That's a bit of a noisy ego. A quiet ego is compassionate self-identity that counters the noisy ego. And so a quiet ego is interconnected worldview characterized by values promoting growth and balance between self-compassion, personal agency, and concern for the welfare of others. So now doesn't that just sound like a nice person, right? Because this idea of this quiet ego, this is again somebody who's sitting there and they're going, you know what? I'm good with being me and I just want to promote the best version of you that we can get. Well, that sounds an awful lot like what Black Sheep's all about, right? We're just trying to empower you to grow. And a quiet ego, you know, constructs self-identity that is neither excessively self-focused nor excessively other-focused. And so that idea of other-focused is when what we're doing is we're putting the emphasis on other people. It's about trying to live in this balance. So we talk about ourselves a little bit, we talk about other people a little bit, and that's the other self-focused. And that idea of that other is important. It is a really, really important thing that we try to create that balance. And so one of the problems with having this quiet ego is, quite frankly, nothing. The upsides to having the quiet ego is that you are psychologically going to be more flourishing. You are going to have some improved social relationships and you are going to be personally constantly growing. One of the downsides to the quiet ego is sometimes you can have a little bit of, of uh, people overshadowing you and because of that noisy ego around you. But y'all do yourself a favor. Just keep in mind that that noisy ego is there and it's okay. And it's not that you want it around you all the time, but again, that's them. Let them be, be who they are. If their world is working out for them, it's okay. But what we're aiming for is we're, we're aiming for this quiet ego uh, that these researchers have coined this term. And because again, psychologically, we want to be flourishing. Why do we want to be flourishing? Because it's going to raise our emotional intelligence. It's going to be greater resilience, improved coping skills, improved emotional regulation. All beautiful things to have. It's just this, this unbelievable, oh my word, we can have it all. Moving on. I have always been struck, and every time I read an article around this, I'm always taken aback and go, oh yeah, that's right. This article specifically is talking about trees in, the, in southern Ontario, sort of near the GTA, near the Toronto area of the 401. And this area is talking about the Niagara Escarpment, that area that goes across the 401 from Niagara Falls up into the Bruce Peninsula of, of Ontario. And I know uh, years ago I read a story about the, some trees up on the cliffs, the, these little cedar trees. And they're not very big, and they just cling to rocks. And some of them, their trunks are only a few inches around. So we're not talking about very big trees, but what sciences, because again, go count the tree rings, right? What science has found is that some of the oldest vegetation on, on, in North America is actually up in the Georgian Bay area, uh, these little cedar trees. And so this particular article, again, when I read it, I was like, oh yeah. The really cool thing is people all the time are driving up down the 401 
uh, claimed to be one of the busiest highways in North America. And this researcher, uh, the guy's name is Doug Larson, and he went out there and started looking at trees really carefully in this geological and uh, biological area of where the biosphere crosses the 401. And every day, people are driving by trees that are seven and 800 years old. Now, if these trees at 700 years were like the, the height of a 700-year-old redwood on the west coast of the United States or the west coast of Canada, there would be a national park created. There would be all these beautiful big things created around it. But these trees, they grow so slowly that they really aren't that big. And yet, when you cut them, then you start counting the tree rings and you find out how old. And they did actually find one tree in this area around just south of Guelph, Ontario, near, near the 401, 1,800 years old. That tree is now dead because, well, that's the only way they can count the tree rings. But an 1,800-year-old 1, tree within, you could hear the 401 from where this tree was. So we drive through the 401 corridor all the time. Lots of people in Southern Ontario, lots of people in Canada, and people who visit here drive that highway all the time. And, and to understand that we have this forest that, again, there is a tree for sure that's almost 2,000 years old. If this was on the West Coast and the tree was, you know, the heights of Redwood, we would have a national park there. And we don't. And I think that that's one of the, the sad things about this good news story. But the good news is, is that as much as we think we know and understand about the biosphere that we live in, it's amazing what we don't know. And it's amazing how much we can learn by just getting outside and walking through our own backyards. Folks, I have spent a lot of money in my lifetime to head out to the West Coast and to go see the big redwoods and go and see and enjoy and, and do all the things that I've had the privilege of doing. And to think that there are trees just as old within an hour of where I live, it just blows my mind. So again, one of these stories, just get out there and walk around. Take a, a look at what it is that makes your neighborhood your neighborhood. You know, New Year's resolutions, right? So everybody's got an idea, everybody's got a story. And everybody has a wish. And absolutely yesterday, he's talking to a client and he's hired a personal trainer. And I said, well, that's fantastic. And he said, oh, I'm so sore. And, and he says, I just want to be healthier. I'm like, great. I understand that. I don't get the exercise and I don't get the healthy that I should get. I'm aware of that. And so one of the easiest things to do is just get off up your, your, your butt and start walking. Just start walking. Be surprised at how much that does to change your world. But here's some other things that if, if you want your world to be a little bit better, a little bit happier, and just to take a little bit of the stress out of your world. One of the chaotic things that have happened in this, in this world is that we live artificially on this treadmill. And what we need to do is take some time, take a deep breath, and step back. And home-cooked meals. I hear this all the time, and there was a lady that I was chatting with yesterday, and that is one of the things that we got talking about. We got talking about her missing so much those Sunday 
you know, afternoon meals, those get-togethers of family coming and visiting. And just a little bit ago, I read an email from uh, one of my cousins. They grew up on a farm south of London. We were talking about different stuff. It was really funny because we were talking about having professional a professional face. And she said her sister has this saying, and the saying is, it's disposable respect. It's disposable professionalism. Because, again... You know, as I said in the last podcast, right, and the podcast before that, it, we are talking about trying to take some time to actually understand we have the ability of how we present. And we can present in any way that we want to. We can present professionally. We can prevent unprofessionally. And so, again, it's one of those one of those beautiful, beautiful moments of having this this ability to have respect when we need it and understand that when we're done with it, we don't have to feel this undue pressure to always be perfect. And as working professionals in mental health, there is this undue pressure to always be perfect. And there is this undue pressure and belief that what we're going to put out there all the time is going to be this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, lovely-looking specimen of a human being. And we have to have the understanding that we have the ability in the space to let our hair down, you know, as the old saying goes, and just truly relax. And if we say something stupid, to not be chastised, to not be taken aback by the fact that we are human. And so, again, some of the other things that we can do for that little bit of happier, you know, and so, again, I, I thank my cousin uh, very, very much for, for that laughter and for that joke of having the ability to have a disposable essence so we can be professional but then we can also retreat to our own private residence and we don't always have to be as professional as, as what some people may want to think that we are. Waking up early, believe it or not, not only disposing of that need for perfectionism, but waking up early. The reason why they say waking up early is because it gets us more in sync with the rising and the setting sun. And apparently our circadian rhythms, some people's rhythm very much, they're a night owl. And so this isn't going to work for them. But understand your circadian rhythm. And what a circadian rhythm is, is your natural biological clock saying this is the time to wake up, this is the time to go to sleep. My mom's circadian rhythm was wake up around 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning and get on with her day. And she was a bit of a night owl. She would stay up late. My dad's circadian rhythm is wake up around 6 or 7 in the morning and get on with his day and have a coffee and relax. That circadian rhythm, when we understand it and we try to get a lifestyle that accommodates that, we will be a little bit happier. So in this article, they talked about waking up early, but I'm going to say not so much about waking up early. It's about waking up when your circadian, when your natural biological clock is saying, now it's time to go to sleep. Now it's time to wake up. You're going to be a bit happier. I don't know if your boss is going to be happier, but if you can make it work, you will be happier. Home-cooked meals. Why is a home-cooked meal so important? Because nutrition. And so we have become so disconnected from our food, where our food comes from, how our food gets to the table, and the nutrition that goes into the food. We really do not understand, and there are so many people today who, if the grocery stores ready-made meals and if fast food and restaurants closed down, they would be starving. They would not be a very happy camper. The idea is we want to nourish the body with the best 
balanced food and the most cross-sectional food that we can actually have. Taking a walk. We just talked about that a few minutes ago. You want to you wanna have a, a resolution to actually be healthier? Move. It is that simple. Move. One of the other interesting things about getting out in nature, uh, there's a type of therapy, it's called dialectical behavioral therapy, and it was created by somebody who found themselves in nature and they were not able to focus and stay focused on traumatic events. And so when we use that now in therapy, that idea of being able to concentrate on bad memories, on traumatic events, you end up with a fixed and dilated look in your eye where you become re-traumatized every time you go back there. And, and, and it is this fixed and dilated uh, appearance in your eyes. Going out, walking in nature, simply walking in nature, you're going to hear birds. You're going to see plants moving. Even in the dead of winter, when there is no leaves, and, and if you have a foot of snow everywhere and you can't see anything, but you go outside, you are still going to see and feel movement. And that movement has a very, very strong sense of providing peace. So yes, we are moving through the environment, but the environment is also moving around us. And there is peace in that. So again, get out, take a walk. Reading a good book. Talking about my cousins I was just talking about, um, one of them is a speech path, and she has always said ever since she was done going to university, her joy of reading, because you have to read so much in school, and you have to read it so quickly that that joy of reading was uh, snuffed out of her. And it's so funny, because I get where she's coming from. You become overread. I, what would be a different, better way? You are force-fed books when you're in university, especially doing any, well, actually any degree. You are force-fed. You must read this. You must read this. You must read this. And there is a, so much stuff to, to absorb. But again, reading. Reading and taking in information. Before university, after university, I was always a journal article type of person. I've never been a big fan of reading a 300-page book. Uh, I have read several. Obviously, I, I needed to to get through uh, my degrees. But again, what's important is that we are reading, that we are taking the time to bring in some information, to look at the world differently, and take that time to just breathe. And that's one of the things that, that reading does. And it doesn't really matter if you're reading from a tablet or whether you're reading a, a paper copy. Take the time to read and absorb some information because what that does is it causes you to have to be quiet because your brain is reading, processing, bringing in and all the other distractions in your brain, they will slow down. Do they, do they completely quiet themselves? Off the bat, no. But what reading does do is it, it allows your brain to slow itself down because it has to. Because you cannot read with a racing mind. And so taking a bit of time to read, fantastic thing to do. Listening to your favorite song. Again, Black Sheep Rebranded. This is what we are all about. We are all about music and we're all about that beautiful, beautiful thing that lyrics do. And so the people who are writing the words to music. Elton John is a perfect example. Writes the music, doesn't write the words. And these are all kinds of beautiful things that... There are people who write the melody and there's people who write the words. 
but the people who write the words, the people who write the notes, and it doesn't matter which, take the time to listen to it. I have never written a paper, I've never written any um, reports, I've never written anything in the last 20 years that was not written to music. I will listen to instrumental music all the time and that helps me to be in a headspace to focus. I can't listen to music with words, but I listen to music all the time. And then I will switch to music with words because I want to hear what the lyrics put to those words. Years ago, Yanni, a musical composer uh, originally from Greece, he's American. Yanni put out a CD many years ago. And then years after that, he had a bunch of, of people come to it who wrote words to his musical compositions. And then he put out a CD and they did a tour and it was called Voices. And it's so cool when you hear the music before voices or you listen to it after and then how somebody takes those same musical notes and puts words to it and that song transcends and changes and when it does that it, it fills our minds with possibilities and ideas so again take that time appreciate the silence when i say appreciate the silence i i mean we don't always have to be on the go we don't always have to be moving. We don't always have to have a project. True silence is magical. When you're having a conversation, people always are will tell me how uncomfortable they are with the silence. Silence is golden, and silence is a golden tool. When you use it appropriately for either self-healing or for being in a conversation, what it does is it gives you a sense of clarity and peace. And what that clarity and peace comes from is that you're actually thinking. You're actually reflecting on what you heard and all the possibilities of what you heard. So you're going to hear it from where your mind is at that moment. If you heard the same thing a week later, you may hear it very differently. You may hear a very subtle difference in tone and inflection. And so taking the time to actually be quiet and think about what is it that's going on. Again, it's going to make your world a whole lot easier, a whole lot nicer. Laughing out loud, LOL. We put that in texts and emails. Oh my goodness, I've never, I would have never thought in my life I laughed so much. But again, having that ability to actually laugh out loud, to truly have that sense of, of being. One of my clients always wanted to be a stand-up comic, always wanted to fulfill that dream, and that client is doing that today. It is so beautiful to see his journey from years of conversation, years of him saying, but I can't, but I can't, and what about, the, and I said, but you don't have to give up anything. Most people go to the comedy clubs when they're not working, which is you typically work when they work. So take the evening, go to a comedy club, see about amateur night, see about things. And he's been doing that and he has been, it has, again, it's revolutionized his life. He was a kid in school that was, you need Ritalin, you need this, you need that. You can't do this, you, you have to settle down. And I said to him, no, go the other way. Add more to your plate. Do your job, do your job 40, 50, 60 hours a week. 
then add to it being your a dad and be an amazing dad. Get up earlier, do less, do more, do this, but add, add to your life because trying to sit there and be quiet is never going to work for him. And so what he has found is this whole new lease on life where he goes to work, he's more productive, he's happier, and he's laughing out loud because he's writing jokes and he's getting on stage as an, as an amateur. He is doing everything that people want to do, which is to live out their best life. And that idea of, of laughing out loud, when COVID hit and we became so insulated and so curtailed within our homes, that idea of laughter, that idea of living, that idea of being completely squashed. It's time for us to get back out there. Get back out there and have those Sunday evening dinners. Go back out and have family get-togethers and have these impromptu drop-ins where we drop in and see people say, hey, how are you doing? Do those things. Actually, truly do those things. Please don't do it with me. And the reason why I say that is because the businesses, all everything runs out of one property. And so if you just drop in randomly, there's a good chance I'm working and then I won't be able to do anything anyhow. So please, if you want to drop in to see me, I ask you, please, uh, you know, give me a bit of a heads up. But for other people who you know when they work, you know, drop in after work. You don't have to stay for supper. Drop in for an hour. Say hi. Drop in and play a board game. I've got a sister who loves playing Scrabble. And I guarantee you, anybody who stops by her house, she's retired. Any day of the week, you drop by her house, and if she isn't busy and you say you want to have a game of Scrabble, she will clear her calendar for whatever's going on, and she'll go, all right, game on. She loves it. Get that back into your life, folks. Laughing out loud, enjoying. And that goes to the most basic things, savoring a cup of coffee. Just think about that. What does your coffee actually taste like? Oh, I just love the flavor. Okay, but tell me about the flavor. Have you tried anything different? Have you actually really you know, pushed any boundary? Have you actually just sort of sat there? And it's funny because before this podcast today, Rebecca and I, we were talking about, um, you know, the, the podcast today and all this information. And she said, you know what? I have gotten in such a hurry to get through my coffee, to get the coffee cup on the counter, to get the coffee cup washed, to get it back in the cupboard, to get it back out, to get it back in the coffee maker, to make another. And I said to her, I said, but why? And she said, I, she said, you know, when she was going through and pulling the, the stuff together that I sent her for the podcast, she was like, I actually stopped today and I had a coffee and I actually sipped it and I was like you know what I think I've put too much milk in this the hazelnut of the coffee I, I can't I can't taste it I need to put a little bit more a little bit less milk in how beautiful is that how simplistic is that but again folks that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you to slow down to understand that hobbies Pursuing hobbies just for pure fun. And and I saw I see this all the time and I hear it all the time where people say, well, it costs money. Everything, including breathing, believe it or not, costs money. Everything costs money. But having a hobby, simply pursuing the hobby simply for fun. Not because you want to have the hobby so you can become famous or so that you can sell stuff to make stuff on the side or so that you can give things away as a gift. Simply it for the pure enjoyment of the fun. And so 
whether we go out there and we play play uh, badminton, whether we go out there and Rebecca and Sherry are doing their stained glass, you know, we're going out there doing some photography, doesn't matter what we're doing, doing it for the pure enjoyment and the challenge of that hobby, whatever that hobby is, and it doesn't matter what it is. It's about taking some time and just simply pursuing something for fun. And again, in this hectic world, unfortunately, we are so often not able to do that because what we're doing is we're just running in circles. And that brings us around to, to the last bit of Good News Friday. You know, and most of today is, is basically from one article. And, and that one article, again, we go out there and we start looking, we can find them. And that's living in the presence, in the present moment. Trying to, you know, plan for the future and think about the past. Sure, we're going to do all those things. But it's so important. And, you know, the, the word mindfulness, you know, has become this big buzzword. But no, we don't have to actually go out there and, and put on all of this show. We need to be in the moment. We can be in the moment and we can be happy and content. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about yesterday. We can. And if you want to, we certainly can. But honestly, we don't have to. What we, what we have to do, and I'm going to rephrase that. Y'all don't have to do anything you don't want to. But what I'm going to suggest you do is that you take a few minutes to get mindful and to become present in the moment and savoring right now. So folks, as you head into this weekend, I will be busy doing what I always do. And I will also be busy with some family obligations because um, my mom's passing. But the fact is at all times, I will be trying very, very hard to be in the moment and to not only be in the moment, but to just truly embrace it. And so, as the old saying goes, I'll be there with bells on, enjoying the moment. So, for everyone here at Black Sheep Rebranded, and again, thank you very much for uh, tuning in and for uh, all the new listeners and old listeners alike, thank you. Hopefully, you all have yourself a wonderful weekend, and I look forward to talking to you guys again on Monday. Be good, folks.